0: Going Out Your Door, the podcast to get you out your door and on the road. My name is Marjorie Frymouth. I am so excited to have you here with us today. How are you doing? For me, right now, it is a Tuesday, which is always lovely because I actually don't work on Tuesdays. Um, I have not yet been able, after five or six years, to wrap my head around the rhyme or reason of the Taiwanese school system schedule. the first and second graders have class until noon, so they come to our English school um, around you know noon or twelve thirty and eat lunch, and then have English class afterwards. Um, and then after you're in third grade and up, you have class all day on Monday and Thursday, but on Wednesday and Friday, you still leave at noon. Um, and then Tuesday, everyone has class all day, so there are generally no English classes or like after school classes or things like that. So some teachers do work on Tuesdays. They teach like private lessons or one-to-one lessons or things like that. And I used to do that, but not anymore. So Tuesdays are my days off. Um, And if anyone can explain why the schedule of Taiwanese schools is structured like that, I would really appreciate it. Because like I said, six years in, I still have no idea. So anyway, Tuesday's off, just another perk of the ESL teacher life, at least here in Taiwan. All right, jumping into our topic, I am super psyched for today's topic. We are doing a sort of a different kind of episode. We're going to have a series based around uh, specific cities and countries as travel destinations or places to live. So obviously, I want to talk about all of the places that you know I've lived and traveled, and we're going to have guests on to talk about places that they've been. Um, so today, we are talking about Singapore. And Singapore is actually the last trip that I went on before COVID hit and shut down the world, and I didn't choose it specifically because it was the most recent, that just sort of worked out coincidentally. Um, but yeah, I was in Singapore in January of 2020, and I don't think I had heard anything about COVID before I left. Maybe like just some you know, small news stories about something happening in China, but no one was really talking about it or worried about it yet. And then I was in Singapore for five days. And I remember talking to some people that I met there about it because it was starting to be in the news a little bit more. And, you know, we sort of had the conversation of, like, oh, have you heard about this? What do you think? Are you worried? Um, And then just, you know, a day or two after that, on my flight back to Taiwan, every single passenger on the plane was wearing a mask except for me. Because I didn't have any with me and uh, they were already, I'm sure they were already all sold out in all the stores and everything in Singapore. And as I've addressed before in our COVID episode, I was a little bit um, mask skeptical back then. So, absolutely, like if I'd had one, I I would have worn it for sure. But because I didn't have one, I was sort of like, "Eh, you know, whatever, I'll just use my hand sanitizer as much as possible and make sure I clean off everything around me. in retrospect, I do feel very ashamed that I didn't have a mask, but you know, what are you going to do? I wasn't traveling with masks back then, so anyway, um, yeah, so like I said, it was a huge thing by the time I came back. Uh, by the time I was back in Taipei, no one could buy masks, Um, so it definitely sort of erupted during my Singapore trip, at least, you know, in, in the Asian um, awareness <laughs> uh, for countries in Asia. So anyway... That actually doesn't have much to do with my experience in Singapore, but just to to give you a bit of a time frame. So this is mostly about travel. We're not going to get hugely into like history or geography or anything like that. But to give you a bit of a frame of reference, um you may already know, Singapore is both a city and a country, which makes it pretty cool. It's an island city on the southern tip of Malaysia. And at one point, I traveled to an island off the coast of Singapore that's that's part of the country, um, but a, real, a much smaller island. And we could actually see Malaysia from the island. Um, you know, whatever way that the land was curving, we sort of compared Google Maps and looked at the horizon and everything and we're like, yep, pretty sure that is Malaysia over there. So that was cool. Um, The other thing that most people think of when they think of Singapore, I think, I'm assuming here, um, is that it's very clean. You know, I feel like everyone knows that law of uh, no chewing gum on the street or something. That's sort of what Singapore is famous or infamous for. And it's true. It does really feel like a manufactured city. I think because to a large degree it is and for some people that's a big turnoff. I talked to some people here in Taiwan who don't really like Singapore just because it feels too artificial or clean or you know something like that. I think they feel like it doesn't have like a depth or culture or anything like that And, and that was absolutely not my experience. I loved Singapore although it is very clean and it does have that sort of recently built vibe to it in many ways. Not always, but um, but it does definitely feel newer than a lot of cities that I've been in. Another thing that I just find fascinating about the country is that it's so multicultural, both in practice and also officially so. The country actually has four official languages. It's English, Chinese, Malay, and Tamil. Ta- Tamil. Oh, boy, I looked up this pronunciation. You're going to have to bear with me with the pronunciations. I did uh, look them up and listen to most of them. But of course, in the moment, they're all gone out of my head. Um, Tamil or Tamil. I can't remember where the emphasis goes. Uh, That is a language from India. So those are the four official languages of Singapore. The lingua franca is English, um, which is easy for me, obviously. I have a huge advantage there, but it was definitely a shift coming from Taiwan. Where so many people speak English here, but there's still that understanding that uh, Mandarin Chinese is, you know, the the local language, the official language. So if you go in somewhere speaking English, um, of course, they can probably, especially if you're in Taipei, they can probably help you out in English to some degree. But um, you're, you know, you're not speaking the local language, whereas it was a huge, well, not huge, it was a, a sort of mindset shift to go into a restaurant or a stall or, you know, talk to someone in Singapore and speak English and realize that 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 was the preferred mode of communication. That was, you know, what they expected, not just because I'm a foreigner, but because that's the lingua franca there. So Singapore is really this multilingual, multicultural society. Uh, There's people from China, Malaysia, India, um, you know, Europe, Eurasian descent, just all different cultures and ethnicities. Um, have made Singapore their home over the last hundred, couple hundred years. So Singapore is also generally considered to be very safe. And of course, as soon as you say something like that, someone's going to point to some news story or statistic or something that doesn't prove it. Uh, but in general, it's you know totally accepted for people, for women to travel there by themselves. I never had any hesitations. I never felt uncomfortable um, in any part of the city that I was in. Um, Of course, I was sticking mostly to, you know, public tourist destinations. But still, it it felt basically the same for me as being in Taipei. Um, And Taipei is an incredibly safe city as well. I've never felt uncomfortable here either. Um, So Singapore is really safe, which is why it was on my list of places that I uh, wanted to go by myself. And another thing that people will often talk about with Singapore is how expensive it is. And I actually talked to a lot of my friends in prepping for this episode just to make sure that I wasn't missing anything critical and that my perceptions of the city or the country, um, you know, sort of were the same generally as other people's to make sure I was giving you a... Um, accurate overview and everyone talked about how expensive it was and I had been prepared for that going in you know that was in every blog every article that I read Singapore's expensive Singapore's expensive and yes um, I'm sort of I have so many different opinions on this because I feel like any place could be expensive if you make it it all depends on your travel style and your lifestyle Um, I met someone who was temporarily living here in Taipei for several months and he told me that he thought Taipei was as expensive or more expensive than Europe and that just blew my mind because it is absolutely not but um, he was living here in such a way that yes it was that expensive you know if you if you go to the uh, more international or Western, more upscale restaurants, if you're always Ubering everywhere, you know, absolutely that can make it as expensive as Europe. Um, but, you know, if you're living sort of the, the more local life and not even like super frugal or, or not doing anything fun, but just if you're, you know, doing things Slightly more as the Taiwanese do, um, then it's going to be much less expensive. And so that's sort of what I found in Singapore as well. Um, I was actually shocked at how cheap a lot of the food was because I ate primarily at the hawker centers, which I'm going to talk about in a second because they are amazing. but a meal there is, you know, anywhere from like two to five dollars maybe. I think I paid mostly like two or three dollars for my meal um, and I would get a couple things or, or a drink or anything. So maybe five dollars total. Um, so food can be incredibly cheap. Again, if you're going to fancy restaurants, yeah, I'm sure it's incredibly expensive. Um, I also don't. Like, go out or go to clubs when I'm traveling by myself. Um, It's not one of my priorities or one of my favorite things to do, especially not if I'm by myself. So, um, again, I'm sure that's another thing that would really add on to the cost. I'm sure nights out in Singapore are more expensive than in other places. There's also a huge tax on alcohol. So, you know, if you're drinking, then that's gonna be really expensive as well. Um, I had a couple of drinks when I was there, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, <laughs> I think I had a beer one night with dinner. I don't remember how much that was honestly. And then um, I met up with some girls, uh, or I made friends with some girls that I met there, and we went out one evening to have dinner and we had Singapore slings because of course we had to. And I think I do remember that being, Pricey for a cocktail, maybe like $15 USD, but again, that's like comparable to, to the US or even places in Taiwan. So um really really think about like what you want to do when you're there, and I think the cost can be kind of adjusted accordingly. Um, yes, everything will tell you that Singapore is very expensive. I did not find it to be so. Also, the accommodation, um, I stayed in a hostel. It was a really nice hostel. I'll tell you more about it in a second. And I actually just looked back at my bill from that, um, those five nights and I paid about 155 USD for five nights. So that is, let me do some quick math. Okay, so that's about $31 a night, which is actually a little bit more expensive than I remember it being. Again, comparable with Europe or a little less than I've paid to stay in in cities in Europe. Hello, Copenhagen, crazy expensive. Um... But yeah, definitely pricier for Asia, uh, travel in Asia. And one of my friends said she paid forty-five dollars a night for the hostel. So yeah, it is it is up there for um, cities in Asia, definitely. But again, you can adjust your plans and your travel style accordingly. Okay, so we're going to walk through my trip, um, just because I did hit most of the highlights of the city or the places that you know people will recommend that you go. Uh, the first thing is the airport. I actually didn't explore the airport until my return trip. I think I got there really late at night, and so things were closed, and I just wasn't up for checking it out. But it is one of the most famous airports in the world. It's called Shawnee Airport, and it's most famous for having like an indoor jungle and waterfall and also probably its slide. Um, I did see the jungle and the waterfall. It was absolutely beautiful. It's this big multi-story room. I mean, room doesn't even, you can't use the word room, just space, multi-story space with all glass and skylights and just just covered in plants you feel like you're in a jungle and there are walkways circling it at different levels so you can make your way like up and down or go on the the ground floor of it and then pouring straight out of the ceiling going directly down is this circular waterfall it's just gorgeous I should say now that all of this information and photos are in a blog post um, that I will link to in the episode description so I know it's really hard to talk about some of this stuff purely verbally through a podcast because you're like okay well that's cool but um, no I will be showing you pictures of all of these things and you know have the names and everything there as well so you can find more information um, so this jungle waterfall is one of the main attractions. They also have a huge slide I did not experience the slide I think I didn't realize that you have to access it before uh, you go through security or not security but you have to like if you've already um, swiped your boarding pass then you're you're past it you can't get on it anymore because the way it works is you swipe your boarding pass or you scan your boarding pass right at the entrance to the slide. And then sit down in the slide and it takes you down to the gates. Um, So I've seen videos online. It looks amazing. I wish I'd done it. But that's another really cool thing that they have. Of course, there's also like world-class shopping, uh, which I can't really speak to because I didn't get into that when I was there, but probably amazing stores and all of that they do have a tiny little rooftop cactus garden that I went on um, there are some amazing art like installations um, just like some moving I'm sure they change a lot but when I was there there were like these moving things <laughs> again I can't describe it There were like these raindrops that sort of raised and lowered um there were some other ones as well I heard they have an IMAX theater I didn't actually you know see that or or do it but uh, that's what I read online. And then there's also this Canopy Park, which has garden trails and these skynets where people can walk across on rope that is 85 feet above the ground. So they've really made their airport a destination in itself. So I would highly recommend you may not feel like it when your plane lands, but definitely get to the airport a few hours earlier than you usually would for your return flight so you can explore all of these things um, and definitely try the slide. I can't recommend it personally, like I said, but I think it sounds awesome. So I stayed, like I said, in a hostel. That's what I usually do when I'm traveling just because it's convenient. It's usually a lot cheaper than getting a hotel room. Um, I'm starting to feel like maybe I should phase that out now that I'm about to turn 30. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, if you're not traveling for more than a few days or a week or whatever, hostels are totally fine. I can still do it. Um, so I stayed in a hostel near Clark Key, which is on the water. As with many cities, there is a river that goes through Singapore. So A lot of, you know, hostels and restaurants and things line this river. It's really gorgeous. It gave me a lot of European vibes, just in the same way that cities in Europe will have like outdoor seating and. Well, mainly that's it. <laughs> I really miss the outdoor dining and like evening drinks in in Europe. Uh, but that's what it reminded me of. You know, there are like riverboat tours that go up and down the river, and it's just lined with restaurants and bars and you know hostels and things like that. Um, I was going to recommend the hostel that I stayed at because I loved it, but I just looked it up, and according to Google Maps, it is permanently closed. So maybe double check that. It was called Quarters Capsule Hostel. Um, but unfortunately it looks like it's out of commission, perhaps due to COVID. Um, a lot of the hostels in Singapore advertise themselves as capsule hostels or capsule hotels. From what I gather, that just means that your bunk will be enclosed. And that's one of my favorite things in hostels. I don't like staying in those like rickety metal bunk beds where everything's open, um, I much prefer the ones that give you like a pod <laughs> where you have, and that sounds really claustrophobic, but it's not. It just means that um, you're, you're closed off to the main room. So this one, you know, was, was like a square uh, box around the bed, and then it had a really um, effective curtain that I could close. So I think that's why they call them capsules, just to emphasize the fact that you have a little bit more privacy than perhaps in a traditional hostel. So like I said, that was right on the river. It was really lovely. It was the perfect location. Um, I was able to walk to pretty much everywhere that I wanted to get to in the city. I did take the MRT, which is their subway, um, a few times to get to some further locations. And I found it to be totally easy to navigate, You know, very convenient, of course, clean, um, all of that. So again, I think the city to some degree is very walkable. Um, the MRT is great. I didn't take any taxis or anything while I was there, but I do have some recommendations that I'm going to share at the end from a friend of mine who lives in Singapore, and she gave me some really detailed um, things to pass on to you guys for like taxis and ride-sharing apps and things like that. Um, so I can't speak to the taxis specifically, but I'm you know I'm sure they're great there as well. So the hostel that I stayed at, like I said, was on the river. I think I've said that like five times, and One of the really touristy things that most cities with rivers have are the riverboat tours that go up and down. I did do that. That's one thing that I often will do. Um, You know, there are some tourist things that I avoid and there are some that I'm like, you know what, that's that's cool. I like that. I'll have fun with that. I think I paid about twenty five dollars USD for that. So that was a little bit more expensive, Um, but it was a really fun ride. It went pretty far up the river. Uh, And then turned around and came back down to the mouth and then went around Marina Bay a little bit, which is where that big, crazy, famous hotel, Marina Bay Sands, that's also the casino and also has the infinity pool. Uh, That's where that is. It's also where the Merlion statue is, which is a statue that is said to represent Singapore. Um, so that's a huge, you know, tourist destination and, and sightseeing draw as well. And it was really cool to see it all from the Harbor. I really enjoyed, um, that perspective and I just like boat rides. So (laughs) again, you know, if that's not your thing, then, then don't do it and save some money. But if it is, I definitely, um, thought it was worth it. And just a fun, like late afternoon, evening, um, thing to do on one, one night. So there are some places that everyone will tell you to see or to go to in Singapore, and I am no exception. Um, There's a reason that these places are on every tourist list and blog and things like that. So I definitely went to Little India. Um, Best, actually, no, I was going to say best Indian food. I did have Indian food somewhere else that I preferred in Singapore. Um, So... Maybe not best, but very, very, very good Indian food. And a lot of the neighborhoods in Singapore, especially in Little India, are are just so colorful. I feel like this is where you really get the, the culture and just the depth that is missing in a lot of the newer or, like I said, more manufactured, more planned parts of Singapore. Um, this definitely didn't feel like a new modern metropolitan city at all um, it felt really you know historical and natural and was just you know I, I would highly recommend just wandering around uh this area and also some of the other neighborhoods that I'm going to talk about um just so colorful and all the the food stalls and flowers and shops and just everything you can imagine is there um, another one which Again, this pronunciation, I feel like Google is leading me astray here, but they say it's pronounced Kampong Glam. Um, Again, I will link to all of this stuff. This is the area that encompasses Arab Street and the Muslim Quarter. Um, the Sultan Mosque is a huge draw in that neighborhood. It's this this big, gorgeous mosque. And again, sort of the same thing as Little India, even though it's a different culture, different um, geographical history. But it's it's beautiful. It's colorful. There's tons of cafes and things, you know, stop to have a, a tea or something like that. Um I did go into the mosque to visit and if I remember correctly it is free um I also remember being this is going to sound horrible not disappointed but but just slightly like the outside of the mosque is far more stunning than the inside is how I remember it um I think you know it's functional it's mainly for people going in to pray and have their worship services so um but again, if it is if it is free, definitely go in and check it out. It is one of those places where you have to be properly attired. So I think I was wearing probably shorts and a t-shirt or something like that, um, but they provide like robes to put on over that. Um, you probably can't go in with bare arms or shorts if you're a woman. Um, but again, they do have that stuff there so you can properly cover up. So these two neighborhoods, especially Little India and Campong Glam, are definitely places just to wander and see what you find. Um, I would, you know, take an afternoon or a morning or an evening, <laughs> any time of day really, um, and and just check those out. There's again, aside from the the Sultan Mosque, and I think there are a few other temples and things like that. Um, religious sites to visit that are very beautiful but again just wander around those streets you know stop and eat the food that smells good take pictures of the the beautiful buildings and houses and um yeah just enjoy yourself eat all the indian food that's all i can say eat all of the indian food it's amazing so another one of the main attractions is the marina bay sands that is the huge hotel casino pool probably many other things that looks like a boat on top of three pillars I did not go inside which I probably should have but it just wasn't super high on my list like it's it's stunning to see um, you know and of course I took tons of pictures of it and all of that but in terms of going inside it just didn't feel like it was my priority. It didn't represent my lifestyle. Um, And to be honest, I wasn't sure how much you're allowed to go in and just like wander around. Um, So I didn't. I should have. They do have, I think it's the world's largest infinity pool on the top, which just, you know, looks like it's going right off the edge. Um, Probably countless restaurants and bars and, you know, I think music events and, um, shopping probably, um, and I think I didn't see this on their website, but I've been told that there's a big casino there as well. So I can't speak to much degree of detail about that, but it is a very beautiful building, and it's right there on the Marina Bay. Um, you know, so you'll you'll see it from any part of the city, basically. But it's really lovely. Like if you go on one of those boat rides or go walk around the bay and see the Merlion statue. Um, you'll be right there with the Marina Bay Sands. But at the Marina Bay Sands, they have a really famous light show um, in what's called Gardens by the Bay. They've created this kind of bizarre, kind of cool, uh, like big garden area. I mean, when I say big garden area, again, that doesn't really encompass it. I need to use more grandiose language. very large outdoor uh, experience um, with these artificial trees that light up in a nightly, I think maybe even twice nightly, but I'm not sure, light show set to music. And that does not even begin to describe it. And that's free um, to go and see that. So I definitely went. I don't mean to make it sound like I'm, you know, super, super frugal or a Scrooge when I travel, but I definitely you know, things that are free are great. I definitely want to let you guys know what those are. Um, so anyway, I did go to this, uh, Gardens by the Bay experience. I highly recommend it. It's, it's again, artificial, it's cheesy, but it's also just so, so cool. It's, I think the reason it's really, remarkable is the scale like i said i i did not describe how big these gardens are or how huge these artificial trees are there's also these tracks um like bridges connecting some of the trees so i think if you do pay or if you buy an entrance ticket or something like that you can go up on the bridges and see the whole thing like on their level on the level of the trees So it's really, really cool. And, you know, at this specific time when it starts, just like this swell of music appears from all the speakers sneakily placed in all the trees and plants. Uh, When I was there, it was the Blue Danube Waltz, which was very appropriate because I used to live in Vienna. So I really loved that it was just coincidentally that song. I've also heard that they do Disney medleys. um, So I'm sure they have lots of different Musics that they rotate between, and then the light show on all of these artificial trees, of course, matches the music. Um, so it's just a really, again, weird but very cool experience. And I think the reason I keep saying it's weird is because when you're walking into the area where all of these big artificial trees are, (laughs) I wish there was a better name for that. Um, you go through different parts of the gardens and They've made it look like another planet. Um, it, it reminds me of, oh, what was it? Uh, Pandora, they, from the movie, Avatar movies, or I think I only saw the first one. Are there multiple Avatar movies? I don't even know. Um, but the way in Pandora that everything lights up, everything is bioluminescent, that's what it was like in these Marina Bay sands. Um, so there was one point where I was walking over this bridge over a really small river stream bigger than a stream smaller than a river and they had filled one whole area of this river with these gigantic glowing eggs it was just like these big eggs and they sort of slowly shifted from one pastel color to another um And again, it was so cool, but also just like really weird, like you suddenly feel like you're on another planet. So Gardens by the Bay, highly recommend in the evening for the light show. Oh boy, we've only been through a couple of my recommendations. We have many more to go. Um, Southern Ridges is a path that goes through the forest. And I think most, if not all of it, is elevated. So I did do that. I took the MRT to where that starts. Oh, I actually took um, the cable car. They have a cable car that goes to uh, Sentosa Island, which I'll talk about in a second. But on the way there, it stops off at Faber Peak and everyone was really confused as to why I only wanted to buy the ticket to Faber Peak and not to Sentosa. Um, but you get up to this peak, and then you can start the the walk or the hike or whatever you want to call it, although it's all on, you know, bridges and um, footpaths and everything, so it's totally easy. But I walked for a while on that, and then... Uh, I remember coming down from that and finding a hawker center because, of course, there are hawker centers everywhere for food and just having some amazing food. I think that's where I had carrot cake. I'll tell you about all the food coming shortly. Oh, my God, the food in Singapore. Um, And then I also went to the Harpa Villa. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. It's like this weird... I want to say like a rundown amusement park, but it's not actually an amusement park. There's just like statues and gazebos and pools with goldfish swimming, but it's all a little bit, um, like I said, rundown. So it just has this this vibe of being deserted or something like that, or like post-apocalyptic maybe. I'm not describing this well at all. Um, And it has a connection with Tiger Bomb. I think it was owned or created by the, the people who started Tiger Bomb, the um, like minty stuff that you can put on injuries and all of that, because one of the statues was a tiger holding a pot of Tiger Bomb. So I also did a day trip to one of the islands off the coast of Singapore, which I mentioned before, called Pulau Ubin. I think. Um, I took the MRT to the port, the ferry port, and then took a ferry to the island. Uh, That's where I met one of the girls that I ended up hanging out with for a while in Singapore. She was traveling as well. And online, again, in the blogs, in the articles, we had both seen this advertised as sort of the traditional Singapore, away away from the... um, you know the modernity and the metropolis and i guess metropolis is not the right word but again that whole like built feeling that i've mentioned several times that artificial clean built city feeling um and so visiting this island was like a return to traditional cultural singapore i don't really know that i felt that (laughs) um so the ferry arrived at the island, and there are immediately like three or four different bike rental shops. Uh, we both rented a bike. I think it was, you know, maybe $5 for the day or unlimited. It was really, um, there, there was no paperwork involved. Let's just say that. You give them the money, they give you the bike. Um, and the bikes were horrible. They were so, so hard to pedal. But again, it was fine. Um, so we rode around the island. There are a few places to stop and see things. Uh, there was one incredible temple that really felt like a mix of many different religious traditions. Um, and I'll share pictures of that. There were there was like this incredible flag section, um, sort of reminiscent of like the Tibetan par- prayer flags, uh, and then there was you know more of like a buddhist temple as well um so that was really cool to see we really enjoyed that site um there were a few other things like that some temples to see mostly though what stands out in my mind are two things one the wildlife monkeys galore the first time we saw the monkeys you know we we were shocked we stopped in awe um as Probably a dozen monkeys just sort of climbed down from the trees, and were hanging out on the dirt road around us, and getting a little too close to us. Luckily, none of them tried to, you know, steal anything or whatever like some monkeys in Asia do. They'll they'll steal your backpack or your bags or things like that. Um, some of them did get a little too close for comfort, but generally, it was really cool. I've I've only seen monkeys a couple times, so this was really fun. And then at one point, while all these monkeys are around us, I suddenly hear this rustling in the bushes and I turn around and there's a wild boar coming out of the woods. I've never seen like a wild pig before. Um, So that was really cool. Uh, So the wildlife was was really incredible. Um, And that's also where I went on or we went on like a, a nature path. There's some um, remarkable wetlands that they're, you know, studying, preserving. And so there's a boardwalk that goes through those. That's where we think we could see Malaysia at one point. That was really cool. Um, So there's definitely things to do. It was a a good experience. I'm glad I did it. It just wasn't quite what the articles and the blogs had led me to expect perhaps it was also a holiday I will say that so I think there are some other things there was like a cafe that I wanted to go to um I say cafe I mean it's in the middle of nowhere there's there's a place where they sell coffee maybe that I wanted to go to and that was closed for Chinese New Year um so yeah so in general it just was a little bit less, perhaps, than I was expecting, but again, that could have been because of the holiday. There's also Butterfly Hill, so you go up this hill and there's lots of butterflies. Um, The one thing that was a bummer, which I want to give you this piece of advice, if you do go, bring food. Neither myself nor the girl that I met had brought food because we thought for sure there would be Places you know to buy food, even if it's just like stands or street food or like small shops or something like that. Um, and like I said, there's a like a cafe or a, a coffee shop place on the map that was closed. Um, there was nothing like that. There was one tiny, tiny. Um, I, again, I don't want to say rundown, but just a very tiny, tiny convenience store. And I think I bought like an orange and a bag of chips and like some Ritz crackers, uh, which again, not a bad lunch. I did not starve. It was totally fine. But when you're expecting to be able to get like some street food or something like that, I mean, the rest of Singapore, there's there's hawker centers galore. You're never without food. So this was a big surprise to both of us. Um, so definitely bring some snacks if you go to Pulau Ubin. All right. So Sentosa, which is one of the main islands off of Singapore. There's lots of little islands off of Singapore, but Sentosa is one of the main ones, and it is entirely a resort island. I had no interest in the resort, but I did want to go to the beach while I was there, and funnily enough, for a small island country, Singapore is not known for its beaches. Um, So one of the best beaches is on sentosa so i did go there i just like skipped through all of the resort stuff um, and went straight to the beach and like i said before you can also take a cable car from singapore proper to sentosa which would be pretty cool if that's where you were going you know it's just where where everything is there's a universal studios there there's casinos there's bars there's shopping there's just everything you could possibly imagine um in that sort of vein is there on Sentosa I did enjoy the beach though it was nice Um, but it was it definitely still had that uh, backdrop of being very very resorty and very crowded and all of that as well but it was a nice day in the sun There are also a few other recommended things that I didn't get a chance to do. Um, The East Coast Park or the East Coast Road, the botanic gardens are supposed to be lovely, but I didn't get a chance to go to any of those. There are also several um, famous temples that people recommend as sightseeing destinations. Uh, Chinatown, I did go to Chinatown. I was sort of like yeah, kind of iffy on it I you know I do live in Taiwan which is not China um but you know I felt like maybe that was not highest on my priority list but I did go and had a great time it's again just visually stunning it's so colorful there's some gorgeous temples there um that's where you can find the famous Michelin star street food. There are more and more of these these days, but I think that was the first time that Michelin gave a star to a street food vendor, and that is there in that Chinatown. I did see, he's opened a second location since then with like, it's indoor and there's like a couple of seats as opposed to his original stall, um, and so I did see that second location and the original stall was closed when I was there, so I didn't get to try that, but um, and I wanted to try it at the original location, (laughs) me being me and so pretentious, but I did have some amazing food at the Hawker Center there. Um, So yeah, definitely recommend Chinatown as well. All right, now it is finally time to talk about the food in Singapore. So because Singapore is this multicultural society, they've incorporated dishes from all different cultures. So a lot of the things that people will recommend as like a must-try Singaporean food, you actually recognize as like a Chinese food or Indian dish or something like that. Um, and, I've mentioned the term hawker center many times. So these are like, (laughs) I don't even know how to describe it. Um, Cafeterias, I guess, is the best way to say it because they are usually inside. When I think street food, I think like Taiwanese night markets that are usually outside. But hawker centers are usually undercover, um, even if they are maybe open air. They're undercover and it's just... A sea of stands selling everything you can possibly imagine. And it is all incredible. I did not have a single bad culinary experience or even a single, like, meh culinary experience. Everything I had was so good. And while I love everything about Singapore, if I go back, I will be mostly excited for the food again. Like, I would go back there just for the food. Um, so there were a few things that. Are generally recommended that I didn't get a chance to try just because I didn't come across them when I was getting food. Um, but before I get into what I had there, I do actually want to recommend a YouTube video that I will link to as well. Um, I follow the the YouTube group page, the Try Guys, and they did a video where they went to Singapore and it's all about Singaporean food. And there's a lot of other things about Singapore. I think the airport makes an appearance, the Botanic Gardens. So it's really just a great primer on Singapore, but it's focused on the food, which is right up my alley. So I highly recommend that video. It's also just super fun and entertaining, uh, but they try so many things, so many of the things that I didn't get a chance to. Um, So definitely check that video out. I will link to that as well. So probably my favorite thing other than that Indian food that I had is what's called carrot cake. Uh, Cake is not involved in any way, at least in the Western sense of the word. It's basically just diced radishes, I think, and then it's stir fried with you know all the good spices and garlic and you know maybe maybe onions i don't know i'm just sort of talking here um and eggs and it's just this mishmash of like stir-fried deliciousness is all that i can describe it as but it was incredibly good that was one of my favorite things and it's definitely one of the classic um singaporean foods that people will recommend i also had some great masala tea with that um, The Indian food, again, Little India is great for this, but I actually preferred one that I had at a different hawker center in a different part of the city. It was, all it was, all I got was butter, chicken, and naan. And it was the most incredible meal of my life. It tasted so good, and... This is actually something I did a lot when I was in Singapore, or I just do a lot when I'm traveling in general, and I do recommend it. It usually works out well. Uh, Walk up to a street food stall and look really confused and let them choose for you what you should eat. Um, That's what I did at this place. All the food looked really good, and I was just sort of looking it all over, choosing, you know, thinking about what I wanted, and the guy was like, you want butter chicken? You want naan? That's what you want. That's what you're getting. (laughs) I was like, okay, sounds good to me. Oh, and it was absolutely incredible. Let's see what else. Oh, breakfast. So their traditional breakfast in Singapore is called Kaya Toast, and the toast was phenomenal. It's also served with two soft-boiled eggs. Now, I'm not an expert on soft-boiled eggs. I don't boil eggs very much, but I do enjoy eggs. I do eat them all the time. Um, and I don't quite know that at least this place where I got them, maybe not all of Singapore in general, but I don't quite know that they've mastered the difference between raw and soft-boiled. Uh, the eggs that I got were, were basically raw. Uh, there was not much white in the whites. And so I I didn't eat those. The Kaya toast, however, was delicious. It's bread, it's toast, and it's uh, filled with, you know, two pieces of bread filled with like slabs of butter, you know, not like butter spread on the toast, but like you take one of those pats of butter that we used to get or still get, I don't know, in restaurants in the U.S. and just plopped that right, plopped many of those right on the toast and coconut spread. This coconut spread is fantastic. So it's bread, butter and coconut and it's all toasted and it's delicious. Um, so the breakfast is typically that served with these soft boiled eggs that I was not a fan of and coffee. Uh, two out of three. Great. Um, I also had char siu, and that's just this delicious pork um I don't I don't know how it's cooked if it's roasted or whatever uh but very very flavorful and I think I had it like over rice or something that's a fairly normal dish you can find it here in Taiwan as well and that I had on Chinese New Year when nothing else was open so on the actual holiday of Chinese New Year pretty much everything shut down which is normal for Taiwan as well um but I did find a hawker center where like three of the stalls were open. So I got this one dish and then I was able to get like tea, I think from somewhere else. Um, and it was phenomenal. It was really, really good. Um, but, you know, I went there because it, it was the only one open. And I think they charged me, they said it's going to be more expensive because it's Chinese New Year. And I was like, great, fine. I think it was probably still like $3, dollars three fifty, something like that. Another thing that people associate with Singapore or say you need to try in Singapore, even though it's prevalent all over Asia, is durian. I am not a fan of durian. Um, If you know it, you know it. (laughs) If you don't, it is a large fruit, bigger than a cantaloupe, I would say. Um, And to me, it just smells like rotting fruit. Um, I th- well, I think that's common to everyone, it's just some people enjoy it. Um, it smells like rotting fruit. My first experience with durian, and it's actually, it kind of looks, when you open it, it kind of looks like a brain in a way. It's like yellowish, it's kinda, I don't know, like, like a, wall, a large, large walnut or something. I don't know, I'm doing a really bad job of describing things today. Uh, but the outside is really spiky, it's covered in spikes. And the first time I had an encounter with durian was during my first year in Taiwan. Um, I had, you know, the local grocery store that I went to fairly close to my apartment. And I remember at one point during the year going to the grocery store a few times within like a week or something and just thinking there's fruit rotting here. How are they not noticing that some of their fruit is rotting and how are they not dealing with it? This is ridiculous. And it wasn't till someone explained it to me that no, that was durian. Durian was in season now and they had a display of it and that's what I was smelling. So it smells like rotted fruit. Um, to me, that's that's kind of what it tastes like as well. I'm, I'm not a fan. Some people really love it. Uh, but durian is really popular in Singapore as well. Um, I also had a dish called Hokkien prawn Me and doing my best again with the pronunciation there. I think this one I couldn't find on Google, but it's a noodle dish with shrimp and some other things in it. again totally great (laughs) this this was another one that that didn't 100% blow me away um, compared to the Indian food or the kaya toast or the carrot cake or anything like that but again it was it was great I did not have a bad dining experience the whole time I was in Singapore and there are just countless other dishes that you will see on the list laksa I never managed to try laksa which I'm really disappointed about Um, that's like a curry soup-ish dish Uh, The chili crab always looks amazing, even though I'm a little bit intimidated by eating crab because I'm originally from Maine, so I grew up as a lobster girl. I can uh, shuck a lobster and, well, I don't know, probably not very good at it now, but I know how to get the meat out of a lobster. But crabs, I have no experience with crabs. But I would love to try the chili crab and just like so many other things that they have. Um, Oh boy, I need to go back to Singapore as soon as it is possible. And I should say... um, Again, I know we're talking about a travel destination and I'm giving you what hopefully these recommendations that you know might spark something in you to travel here or to move here, but I know that it's not possible right now, um, definitely, and please don't travel right now, but I I just wanted to talk about it because I think we all need a little bit of escapism and planning for the future and things like that. It's never too early to think about where you want to go, even if we don't know exactly when that can happen. So there's a little disclaimer there towards the end of the episode that I know this is not practically useful right now, but hopefully it will be in the maybe not so distant future. All right, so that has already gone on far longer than I meant it to because I cannot stop talking about the food in Singapore. Um, So I want to wrap this up with some specific recommendations from people I know who have traveled there or who live there. I mean, everyone says that Little India and Chinatown are an absolute must. That was universal. Food was also a huge part of most people's responses. Uh, Food in Chinatown, let's see, um, there's the huge cafeteria type place and they've got tons of restaurants, that would be a hawker center. Um, This person also says it was pretty cheap, if I remember correctly, for the food. Little India for a meal. Yeah, everyone is talking about the food in Singapore, so I'm certainly not alone in that respect. Um, Definitely another friend mentioned that it's very expensive, which again, I already told you how that can go many different ways. Um, She said the liquor import tax is crazy, which I mentioned, so drinks and clubs and restaurants are gonna be very expensive. The hostel, um, yeah, we already, we covered all of that. And from my friend who actually lives in Singapore, she had some very specific recommendations. Again, I will link to all of these. Uh, She says, bring an umbrella and a water bottle. She says, it's humid as heck. Nothing can prepare you for it unless you've lived on the equator. Um, I would agree with that. I would say it's definitely, hotter and more humid than Taiwan I mean it is a lot further south towards the equator um, but I I was not incapacitated by it although to be fair I was there in January so <laughs> I'm sure during the summer it is an entirely different story and I have you know experience with hot humid weather from Taiwan already so let's take her at her, her word nothing can prepare you for it um, she does say to spend money on taxis and ride shares Uh, the MRT is amazing but you can also download Grab and Comfort Del Grow. I've never heard of either of these but I looked them up and that's the Singapore specific like ride sharing apps or taxi hailing apps. So again I will link to that specific information from her and I really appreciate her sharing um, that with us. So again, I will link to all of that information um, from her as well as share the blog post that's gonna have pictures of all of the stuff that I've been trying to describe and I think uh, maybe some were better than others. Um, but again, all the food and all the, the sightseeing places and all of that. All right. I think that finally brings us to the end of this episode, although I feel like I could just keep going on and on about Singapore for a while. But I hope that gave you some idea of what to expect, maybe some things to include on your to do list when you go. Um, For people who have traveled to Singapore, what was your perception? Did you think it was really expensive or not? What was your favorite hawker food dish that you had that's actually yeah that's the question I want to know what was your favorite food that you ate in Singapore um, and for anyone who's planning a trip do you have any questions I'd be more than happy to talk about anything else or answer your questions if it's anything that I did or experienced while I was there you can send me an email to travel at gmail.com on Instagram at goingoutyourdoor and also on Facebook at goingoutyourdoor and and on Twitter at GoingOutYour. I'm so excited that we finally got a chance to talk about um, a city, a country. In the case of Singapore, it was both. We're definitely going to be bringing you more of these kinds of episodes in the future, so let me know where you want to hear about, um, and we'll see if I've been there or if I know anyone who's been there, and we can definitely dive into those places. I'm really excited about this. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will talk to you next time on Going Out Your Door.